Hey everybody, this is Sam Oso, your unconventional journalist, reporting Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. at the intersections of class, race, and gender, and the movements that fight back. Today, we are going to talk housing rights, tenants' rights, and uh, almost everything in between. Joining us is Spike. He is a Houston Tenants Union organizer and Brompton tenant, and there is currently a campaign within the Brompton uh, complex to fight for tenants' rights. Uh, Spike, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this. This is important and more people should be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I guess like, you know, the, the pandemic has really, really exacerbated the power dynamics in our country and locally and everywhere. Um, how has it screwed over renters and the housing market that you've seen as an organizer and as a renter? Yeah, so COVID-19 added a ton of extra risk to renters and housing insecure people. So consider losing a week's worth of income because you had to isolate or during the original lockdown back in March, like two years ago where there was uh, very few jobs, um, but it didn't ultimately start the crisis, right? Right. Um, investors, private equity have been buying up land and homes for a decade now, speculating on valuations for land and properties. Uh, it's capitalism and landlords that raise our rent, not the virus. Yeah, um, well, I mean, and like truly the testament to that is like, you know, Houston Tenants Union was created right before the pandemic started. Like there was no way of even forecasting it. We had already had this crisis going on. Absolutely. And we have no support, even during the pandemic, this period of like exceptional danger for people um, from our politicians and judges. Um, the uh, Turner had the uh, opportunity to pass an ordinance to pass a real eviction moratorium uh, to prevent all evictions, but instead let it be filled with Swiss cheese uh, and didn't actually like try and protect people. And as such, we've seen people be evicted during uh, uh, the worst pandemic of the, the past, like, 50 years. Well, and, like, people who are comfortable with our politics um, that don't understand what's going on, you know, they like to say, you know, there was a federal moratorium. Shouldn't you guys just be happy with that? But there is plenty of data, evidence, showing that the federal moratorium didn't actually stop evictions. Like, so <laughs> we could have had these opportunities to actually take care of renters and we didn't. I think the closest that we tried to, or not we, I'm not going to include myself with the establishment, but like the corporate establishment tried to do was uh, like rental assistance, but that was just landlord bailout. Oh yeah, absolutely. And as far as I know, that's been um, dispersing incredibly slowly. I believe the state of Texas is still withholding all of those funds and refusing to, to uh, disperse it. Yeah, no, definitely. The, uh, the red tape is just insane. So with the uh, Brompton campaign as a tenant and organizer, um, what, what's going on with the, with the Brompton uh, complex and what are you guys working on? For sure. So uh, the whole campaign has been initiated by something called Brompton Mutual Aid. Brompton Mutual Aid was signed by a couple of tenants shortly after the pandemic began, about similar to the HTU in a way, in that way anyway. Um, the community, it's supposed to be like a, you know, 
bring the community together to take care of each other during this period of exceptional danger to everyone. Um, yeah. This is also a period where there was like real danger of like some sort of like uh, uh, economic recession, which could ruin um, people's you know lives even more so than the pandemic was already doing. Uh, so trying to build that community there. And uh, shortly after that, I believe that same summer, uh, Steadfast Properties, who owned the building uh, up to July of that year, uh, had sold the whole complex to something called Fat Properties. Fat Properties is a notoriously bad corporate landlord. They don't maintain their apartments. They're unresponsive. To, uh, they have an unresponsive uh, management team that they bring into every building, um, and they charge super high rents. If you go up and down Richmond, there are many complexes there where they charge you $1,200 for a one bedroom apartment uh, that's yes. filled with pests, uh, no utilities. It's really, um, it's truly the, the lowest form of exploitation. Well, like, so what cracks me up about the name like fat properties is like, that just sounds cartoonishly evil. You know, like, are we like in the Marvel comic or something like? <laughs> like fat properties like fat stacks of money like i could see like a like some gangster in like a movie marvel thing like we we got the landlords and we're doing the thing like <laughs> sorry 100 and the thing is like you can be named something evil sounding but you don't have to do evil things but right. they're doing it anyway you know they bring in their own management teams they replace the people uh, that have been taking care of the complex for years and years and years who know the tenants um, just so that they can you know uh, scrape a little bit more off the top and not have to do x y or z pieces of maintenance um, yeah and, like it, it, i mean it's just it's ridiculous how slumlordy this company is so i remember you talking about how you know there's washer and dryers on the complex like there you guys don't have it in y'all's uh, apartments it's just like community washer dryer but they're always broken. Could you speak more on that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the there are rooms set aside on in each building for having uh, like 10 washers and 10 dryers or something like that. Uh, and they, it's actually a pretty workable system. You know, you just swipe your card, you charge, you get charged a buck to wash a, a load of laundry. It, that comes out to no more than like, I don't know, it's, it's not an exceptionally miserable system. The problem is that uh, Steadfast and then Fat Property made the system or made repairs of the system uh, the business of another company. So they pay some other firm to maintain these washers and dryers. So what ends up happening for tenants is that they report a busted machine to Fat Property, our landlord, and then they have to report that to a third party. So you have this sort of like, you have this middleman um, and it's completely unnecessary and it yes. ends up making repairs taking, you know, two weeks longer than they should. One Meanwhile, there's a telephone. line out the door to use a washing machine on a, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday. That's ridiculous. Like, I mean, uh, well, because like cleanliness is also such a big part of like living in the pandemic. Right. And like inaccessibility yeah. to that just exacerbates living conditions that are already there um you had also mentioned like the the rent going up could you speak more on that oh yeah so fat property 
as known for charging way too much for their properties, especially ones that they clearly aren't taking care of. And in about like August, so a few months after that property had purchased the complex, uh, people started having their leases renewed, um, just sort of like, you know, the date had always been uh, for their 12 month leases. And they noticed that they're getting rent increases of $100, $200 in one go, which for many tenants, including myself, that's an increase of 20% between years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like somebody's groceries for the week. You know, if they had like a family, you know, like that's, 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 a, that's a lot. Um, so what are you guys, um, working on organizing now? Like, you know, you, the, the maintenance isn't, isn't up to par. <clears throat> the rent is going up. How are you guys organizing So our big thing right now is just getting out there and talking to more of the tenants. Um, We did door knocking back in December to talk to every single tenant about what's going on in the complex and what we're trying to do about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We even wrote up a list of demands uh, drafted by a public meeting in the complex, including things like fixing the washing machines, uh, a red cap increase of 3%, uh, you know, no more of that 20% increase in a single lease uh, and safety concerns. And also flooding. Um, This complex is right next to a bayou. And this complex floods basically on a yearly basis. Well, certain, well, uh, Steadfast and Fat, uh, well, I should say Steadfast, only Fat didn't do any of it. Steadfast ended up um, trying to do a whole lot of drainage work and plumbing work, partly because the building is so old and partly because of the flooding. Uh, It ended up meaning that a lot of us were out water, without water for like a week or for days. which even convinced some tenants that it wasn't safe to drink. And I've seen people uh, purchase water in big old tanks. So part of it's also, uh, one of the demands too, is to finally address the flooding or have some sort of uh, integrated insurance system. That's such a microcosm of like typical Houston problems. You know, everywhere is flooding and nobody will actually do anything about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think um, it's still basic. The thing it's what's wild to me is that when I first came to this complex four years ago, I was like, okay, well, the closer to the floor, the cheaper probably gets right. Cause you're going to be struggling. You're going to be putting up sandbags from August to to October. Um, And they're like, actually, uh, no, everywhere floods. (laughs) No, everywhere floods. You don't, there's, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get any, you're not going to just cause you're no which is, you know, just ridiculous. <laughs> you're going to charge so, me more to get flooded. Right. So like in the last four years, <clears throat> like how much of the, like, what's the worst flooding that you've seen? Oh, the walkways have been impassable. You wow. know, uh, they've, they've, it's been admirable. They've tried their best to, you know, improve drainage. Um, but no, it's, it's, uh, it's been, com- it's not enough. Uh, this is a, a complex where water pools uh, inside the walkways and makes them impassable. You can't get to the stairs. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to be stranded on the second or third floor um, if you don't leave at a, you know before the flooding starts. Right. Like so, the flooding itself definitely rolls into 
you know, safety conditions, because, you know, as you're mentioning, impassable walkways, getting stuck upstairs, but are there any other uh, safety conditions that just aren't being met? Uh, there have been a few uh, people losing the rims to their tires, um, break-ins to cars mm -hmm. uh, over overnight. Um, that has upset a lot of people and it's been integrated as part of one of our demands, some sort of improvement to safety. That could mean more lighting outside. That could mean uh, an extra security guard. It's a, regardless, that that is that's another concern we have. Yeah, yeah, maybe some like extra cameras around the parking lot. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so this isn't your first time organizing. We talked a little bit about um some of your political past. So you've been an organizer before. Can you speak on your uh, like organizing history and how that compares to what's going on now? Sure. So tenant organizing in Texas is uh, a bit more difficult than in other states. Um, this is a, 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 Texas is a property fascinated state. Uh, we love our landlords. We love uh, screwing over our tenants here. We love screwing over our renters. This is a state that has enshrined uh, the most exceptional uh, legal means for uh, landlords to evict or to displace or to get rid of tenants they don't like. Uh, so that's, there's sort of this, uh, this legal uh, barrier that is, is, a, is a challenge here in Texas. Um, not to mention that, of course, uh, the, the judges and the politicians are entirely on their side such as to be expected from the capitalism we live in. Right. Compare this to say, um, work around the abortion ban. I'm, I'm a member of Socialist Alternative. We uh, organized a walkout on UH campus against the abortion ban where uh, students and workers like myself um, walked out of class, walked out of work uh, to uh, march across campus in protest of the abortion ban. And while there's a really strong proxy consciousness and Planned Parenthood and now uh, you know, the conventional reproductive orgs that they're going to solve this problem, um, you cannot escape this violation of our basic democratic rights. If you're in Texas, you have come under siege from this anti-abortion anti uh, legislation. With a tenant and organizing in a tenant's building, um, you, a lot of people just move um, before they have to confront these landlords about these rent increases. When I went door knocking, I had talked to at least five or six people who said, yeah, I got a rent increase of $200. And I said, oh, that's really, that's really difficult. Um, do you, you want to um, join the organizing group, um, help fight this? So, well, actually, we, had, we have already made plans to move out. Um, so it kind of shows the kind of like the, the extra layer of difficulty that comes with organizing tenants. Mm -hmm. uh, you, it's, a, it's pretty easy to self-evict, although... Um, maybe that's not legally speaking what eviction is, it's, it's removing yourself from the complex um, because of a rent increase. So you can self-evict um, in a tenant issue, but say that abortion situation, um, you are forced to confront it and right. either fall back or to get engaged. Yeah, that's, um, well, and like, I think that definitely speaks to um, the way our culture and 
like politically and just like just culturally how ingrained it is to rely on self versus community like instead of being like hey fellow renters <laughs> like let's try to not get our rent raised let's just try to beat this corporation and have what's best for us it's just like well we're we're just going to leave because they're going to do whatever they want and there's nothing that we can do to stop them um that narrative that idea is just permeated everywhere um but it's it's very interesting seeing it at like the tenant organizing level um because the housing crisis the 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 way that um housing is it affects everybody Dang. absolutely and that makes the conversations that tenant organizers are having with their neighbors that much more important you need to build that community you need to build those relationships that's how organizing that's what organizing is premised on trust and communication and getting people involved turning people from bystanders or uh, victims but also into agents and creating change and that's part of what you do when you join an organization like htu or brompton mutual aid the montrose local or social alternative whatever organization you choose yeah well and like so a lot of people feel like they don't have time or capacity for organizing, which is totally fair, given the late stage capitalist hellscape that we're in, where people are having to work, you know, three to four, five jobs just to make ends meet. Um, that doesn't factor in uh, debt, that doesn't factor in families, um, in like many other situations. But for people who are living like in Houston or out of Houston in an apartment where things aren't feeling fair or like they feel helpless and they don't have time to organize. Do you have like any like suggestions, like any imparting like wisdom, I guess, um, on like how people cannot feel so isolated in their circumstances? The best thing to do is to reach out. Um, whether that be to an organization in town like HTU or one of the locals, um, you could just talk to your neighbors, you know, mm -hmm. um, one day, just on a Saturday, go over and knock and say like, hey, do you also have this problem? Have, have you gotten to X repair or Y repair in your building yet? Um, what's your rent like? Just having those conversations and breaking the isolation is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So calling all extroverts. <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself a bit of an introvert, but just sort of like the years and years and years of doing um, various projects like the abortion ban stuff, like tabling or door knocking here or part of the Brompton campaign. Um, I think it's it's a skill that you acquire too, just like having these conversations and figuring out what needs to get done and um, just reaching out. I think that's something yeah. I've personally had to work on over the years. So when you first got into organizing, um, what were you expecting? And like, did you expect to like be talking to as many people as you do now? Or were you expecting like taking on a different role? Like what, before you went into this, like what, what did you have in mind? 
Yeah, actually getting involved in Brompton Mutual Aid is a bit of a funny story because I had no, I had seen a flyer for Brompton Mutual Aid um, by a car gate uh, years ago. And I thought, oh yeah, I need to reach out. This seems significant. Something I could do in my immediate area and get involved and talk to like-minded people. And then I didn't, which I think is the story a lot of people have. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but then, uh, then the Brompton Mutual Aid was mobilized to help organize in the, in the terraces on Brompton. Um, and I got a flyer on my front door and I thought, okay, I can't avoid this any longer. This is serious. This is going on in my home. I need to get involved. I want to help. This mm -hmm. is impacting me. And that's how I got involved. Um, and I'm slowly, you know, I've, I've tried to be the best volunteer I can be. Mm -hmm. You know, I have the, I have a couple weekends that I can donate to this campaign. And that's what I did. I put in, um, I think it, we door knocked for like four Sundays uh, yeah. in a row. And we were able to talk to more than a hundred tenants and get a hundred signatures on our demand letter. And this is a complex of like 200 ish units. So that's a, that's a, that's a, at least 50% of the people in the building. Um, now at least somewhat involved or informed about what's going on. The trick now, of course, is to turn these people into organizers and, and be like actively involved, but that'll right. be occurring over the next few months, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and like for anybody listening, so <clears throat> mutual aid and like organizing doesn't have to be solely like organizing tenants for demand letters and, you know, going up against like corporations. Mutual aid also entails just like taking care of each other. You know, if you happen to have like some extra diapers, if you're able to share groceries, it's things like that. And it's things that are tangible in your community where you are. Like, you know, you see the national news, you see the state news and all of it is, uh, feels very out of touch. Like, what can you even do about it? But your neighbor next door needs like a cup of sugar that <laughs> in itself is like a form of mutual aid. And I just encourage people to also see organizing from that point of view as well. Um, do you have any like thoughts or words on that point? I think another big thing is to, I think these little things are super, super important and they contribute to a bigger project building tenant power, whether that be in your building or in your neighborhood or in your city. And ultimately, um, it's when we come together and make these uh, these collective actions that really starts to change things um, and yeah. politicizing it too, you know? Like we've seen Berlin uh, tenants pass legislation to seize empty properties and to turn them into housing to assuage their miserable housing market. We've seen up in Seattle, um, uh, taxes on the super rich and Bezos and such to build affordable housing built by the city, mind you, not those sort of like grants that Turner gives to his brother to uh, artificially lower the rent of certain complexes. So, you know, um, making these small, doing these small actions build to, uh, that build to the, the collective power of like tenants in the whole city and then mobilizing that for uh, changing the world. Yeah, no, that's, 
That's a great point. Um, a lot of the, not a lot, but some of the affordable housing that we, I've seen in like Houston is like, you know, they look like these really pretty luxury apartments and they are affordable housing units. And that's really nice, but it's only good for like 10, 15, 20 years, depending on the tax credit that the corporation gets. And then once that's done, it's no longer in an affordable housing unit. It turns into what it's always meant for. <laughs> That's, you know, exacerbating the housing crisis, gentrification, things like that. So affordable housing seized in Berlin and uh, created by the city for people to actual, actually have houses is uh, dwellings is very, is very important. It's nice seeing that in other places because that gives me hope that it can happen here too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Learn from uh, the uh, learn for, learn lessons from other places as well. That part of um, building these networks of of, of um, tennis unions, right? Um, like the ATU is or the Autonomous Tennis Union Network, I believe, is connected to the Houston Tennis Union and seeing what's going on other places, what's working for them, what's working for us, and exchanging that information to try and improve uh, both parties' uh, organizing capacity. Yeah. So this is all going on. How can people help the Brompton campaign? Um, what can people do to help you guys get y'all's demands met? Yeah, so there are a few things. One, if you are a renter, you should look up who your landlord is. And if it's that property, you should reach out to the Brompton tenants or the, the Brompton Mutual Aid uh, group. I believe it's bromptonmutualaid at gmail.com and talk to us about organizing in your building. Because what we need to do now is take this to all of that property's properties and mm. expand that struggle. Staying in just one building is, uh, it's, Eventually, that'll be that'll be our, our ceiling, and we need to escalate. So, if you are a renter, uh, and you should look up your landlord and see if you're stuck with that property like we are. But also, um, you know, we have a review bomb um, that we're preparing to carry out with the Brompton Mutual Aid Group and the Houston Tenants Union for the terraces on Brompton. So, I can I can share with you instructions on how to complete that. Um, yeah, no, for, go ahead. Description. Yeah, go ahead and. Um like whenever, if anybody listening, I'll have this on Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And I will have the summary there with the instructions. Um, but it's generally easy. Like how long would it take anybody to fill it out? Like what, five minutes maybe? Oh yeah. Not even. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think the instructions even have a, a relatively simple template you can use. Um, we've done everything we can to try and bring frat properties to the negotiating table. You know, we've done um, we've done letter deliveries, we've done media attention, we've done phone blasts uh, for their office and their CEO, Cody Lush. Uh, but so far, frat properties, of course, has ignored us and our needs. So helping the tenants on uh, helping the tenants of terraces on Brompton apply more pressure uh, by doing this review bomb. I think that's one of the best ways you could do it right now, right this moment yeah. anyway. Right. Yeah. And like the review bombs, like you can go on Google, leave them a review on Yelp, leave them a review, not just for fat property themselves, but whatever complex you live in. So the Brompton complex, leave a review and, or like Facebook and anywhere you can leave a review, leave it. And 
I know that doesn't sound like it's useful, but my corporate job is in, is in marketing and I do search engine optimization, which that plays into um, like the Google algorithm and whether or not a company ranks whenever they're being searched. And the review bombs, when you leave a bad review, tanks their search engine optimization real hard because Google and other search engines do not want to prioritize people who suck. Like <laughs> they don't. Um, and so it really does hit them. I know it feels like it doesn't, but I promise it does. And then like at the corporate level, you know, whoever their social media marketer is, whoever their website person is, they're going to have to take all this data and they're going to have to communicate communicate it through their corporate lines. And eventually if nobody is listening and like the CEO isn't listening, this is how it'll get them to listen. Like it, it really will. Cause then it starts impacting their pockets because it won't attract new tenants. So um, definitely do that. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do like a, a side rant education on that because, you know, I've talked about review bombs before and I get feedback from listeners sometimes. And I was like, well, that doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, so is there any other thing that you want listeners to know? Is there anything, you know, that we didn't touch on that, you know, people need to know or any last things that you want to say? Uh just to just just that the most important thing you could possibly do is have politicized conversations with your neighbors with your friends uh, and talk about what's going on in the world and what you can do to change it and i am convinced that the best way you can you can you know organize and try to change that world is by joining an organization or participating in a campaign like this or support some sort of a support or uh, proselytizing for these campaigns. Um, just, I, I cannot stress enough how important it is to have those conversations and to talk to people about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, talking about everything in these things is so important because we are inundated with like propaganda, really. <laughs> like isolationist, capitalist, all the things that goes against the grain of the work that is being done. So talking about it is actively pushing back. And yeah, I, I really, I couldn't agree more. Um, and to finish it up, how can people connect with you or with Brompton or with HDU? Definitely. So we have uh, a Twitter page for the Brompton Mutual Aid. If you Google it, the first thing that comes up uh, is the Brompton Mutual Aid Twitter page. If you'd like to reach out, you can definitely hit us up there. HCU also has a website where you can reach out to them and either talk to them or they'll uh, forward it to us. Um, I think those, those are the two best ways to reach out. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that's, that's it. We covered a lot of things. That was good.
It was awesome. Um, well, thanks again for joining me and um, I'll be keeping an eye on y'all's campaign and we'll see where it, where it, see where it goes. Again, thank you so much for having me on, Sam.